Welcome to my nightmare. In an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Hey Ghoulsters, welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-host. On this show, we fan ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn from it too. If you have always loved Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky oasis. If you couldn't already tell, today we'll be grave digging into two infamous horror icons, Freddy versus Jason. And I'm finally going to tackle the subject of sleep paralysis for the first time ever. For those of you who don't know, I unfortunately suffer from sleep paralysis. So we are going all in on what it really is, what it's like for me, some tips on how to avoid it and how to wake up from it if you do experience it and if it really influenced Nightmare on Elm Street. I do want to warn you that if talks of sudden deaths, panic attacks or nightmares trigger you, please proceed with caution. But before we go into a slumber with lots of nightmares, you know what time it is. Haunted housekeeping. Ghoulsters, if you usually tune out during all the mundane updates, listen up. Heller. Okay, now that I have your attention, it is impossible for this to not sound like a salty comment, but I swear it isn't and I 100% mean it from the bottom of my heart. I know so many of you will have an expectation or idea of what you want me to mention in each episode, but the reality is it's going to be impossible to cover every single thing. So that is why the Discord server is such a great space for you to fangirl over these topics with other ghoulsters. For example, I know one of our most loyal ghoulsters, Poppy, loves Alice from Twilight, and unfortunately, Alice didn't even get covered in the Twilight episode. And I am not calling Poppy out because she never complains about anything. She's legit our ghoulster angel. But what I'm trying to say is even though I am opening the show up for co-host notes, it's still really difficult to cover everything. And you all have so much knowledge. So please don't be shy. I promise if there's something you want to fangle over on an episode um, that I do, someone will jump right in and talk to you. And if they don't, I will. What's better than a live chat podcast episode on Discord? hmm? (laughs) Okay, and I mentioned this because I was talking to another ghoul before the Jennifer's Body episode came out and she was like, oh my God, I saw the movie and I was so curious about why this happened or that and I can't wait to hear your episode. And I was like, oh crap, I didn't cover any of that. And while we are on this topic, I also want to say thank you so much for your participation on the most recent episodes. Your commentary is so helpful. It's been so exciting to see how much the amount of responses has grown since prior to the podcast launching because A, I get to include more of you and B, I can find more commonalities to try to cover the topics a lot of you are mentioning and C, more perspectives equals more informative conversations. Like last week's episode was so amazing to hear so many perspectives and things that I wouldn't have thought of on my own and seeing your feedback like I know that that is coming through and that you guys are enjoying it. 
So as we grow, I also want you to know that it will probably get harder to mention every single person or comment um, every time, but I promise I'm going to do my best to at least keep a fair rotation. Last week's episode was a special one, but unfortunately it would be very difficult for me to produce a nearly two hour episode every week. But again, if your comment doesn't get mentioned at some point, please feel free to drop it on the podcast channel on Discord and fangool away. I promise once you do it, you won't regret it. Okay, and the second thing is just to kindly remind you that there is an option to support the show for $4.99 a month, and there are already three bonus episodes available and more to come soon. So if you're interested in unlocking access to those and get exclusive invites to the fun movie live chat parties I'm planning this spooky season, you can subscribe for $4.99 at the link in the show notes. Oh, and before I forget, I will also have a Freddy vs. Jason themed unboxing on the YouTube channel in the next week or two. In case you haven't noticed, some of these episodes may or may not be based on the monthly themed boxes from Not Your Average Babe Co. (laughs) Because your girl loves themes and it's like a full immersive experience across all platforms. But I guess I got the timing wrong on this one. So sorry about that. But also, once I started writing the script, I just got way too excited because... Man, I don't know. This one just turned out to be a lot spookier for me to write than I anticipated it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. But before we doze off into all the sleep paralysis talk, I thought we could share a cup of brew and talk about how we're keeping the spook alive. Okay, you guys didn't think I was going to have anything besides a double shot of espresso in my iced coffee for the Freddy Krueger episode, did you? (laughs) That's it. That's the drink. (laughs) Caffeine. And since I went on a mega join the Discord rant, I'm wondering why none of y'all have been sharing your witch's brew with me on Fridays. It's supposed to be a vibe, guys. You know, us having a cup of brew fangooling on Fridays to get ready for the spooky weekend. (laughs) Anywho, I digress. So this week is awesome because I think it's the first week where everything is super themed in case you haven't been able to tell my excitement. So as you all know, Master loves Friday the 13th and we've always loved the NECA 1984 design of Jason Voorhees, you know, the neon blue and purple one. So this small shop called Disney Monster released a mashup bag of the NECA Jason and Mickey Mouse and it was so cute and of course I ended up pre-ordering it because do you know how rare it is to find something that niche? Anyway, when I ordered it, I got to thinking about how we've never actually played the game and it was so spooky because I ended up getting an ad for a knockoff NECA game gaming console in those neon Jason colors. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if it works. So I looked up the reviews and suddenly there I was 10 minutes later with an order placed for a knockoff gaming console from Amazon and a Friday the 13th NECA game ordered on eBay. Do you guys ever just black out and place like 186 spooky orders you had no control over? Yeah. Me too. (laughs) But I've been trying to get better about it. Uh, This was pre-anti-Halloween hunting for the clout, Mandy. Anyway, so the stuff came in and we ended up waiting until this week to open it for some reason. I guess we just wanted to make sure we were in the right frame of mind to fully enjoy it. And you guys, the game was freaking hard. Like, I don't know if it's because I didn't grow up playing those kind of games or what, but we were basically just playing to see what would happen. And eventually Jason popped out of nowhere and we started screaming in excitement. And when I say we, I mean, yes, me and Rudy. 
But if anyone is curious, yes, the knockoff console on Amazon did work and it was a fun, spooky little game night. On another note, I also wanted to take a minute to talk about a spooky book I finally finished. I'm going to be super honest with you guys. I used to love reading so much, but as I got older and busier, it became really difficult for me to prioritize it, especially because of how particular I am. Like if a book doesn't hook me right away, I won't stick to it. You guys have heard how critical I am with like slow movies. And so you can imagine it's even more difficult with a book for me. Anyway, I started reading Mexican Gothic four months ago and I finally finished it and I have so many thoughts, but I'm trying to figure out how to effectively incorporate books into the podcast because I've never tackled books on anything for TGM. I know we have a lot of readers, but also I don't want the non-readers to mentally check out since the podcast is so heavily focused on movies and TV most of the time. So I'm not sure if maybe I just briefly mentioned them in this Keeping the Spook Alive segment. And if I do, do I include spoilers or not? Help me because I'm so lost on this. Let me know on Discord or send me a DM with your honest thoughts about how you'd like or not like books covered on this show. But on that note, I do want to let you know that I am 100% planning to do an episode on the graphic novel Pumpkinheads in the very near future, like I'm talking in the next week or two. So if you have not read it, I highly recommend trying to check it out from your local library, ordering it on Amazon. It's a super short 45 minute read. I promise that you'll really enjoy it. I don't even think that you need to read it to really enjoy the episode I'm planning to do with it because it's a very unique, like very fun theme that I'm super excited about. But I just wanted to give you the heads up in case you wanted to um, check it out and read it before we do the episode because it's going to be a total vibe. And I'm so excited for you guys to experience what I'm planning. All right. And since you are all totally loving this co-host concept, I thought it would be fun to start including some of your responses for how you are keeping the spook alive, too. Since I used Poppy to prove my selfish discord point, let's give the ghoul a break with a positive note. So Poppy aka Halloween is my happy place on Instagram, which, by the way, what a perfect username for her, can I add? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, she said she's reading a book on Haunted Cornwall and Halloween hunting it up. Yes, if you all recall, last week Poppy mentioned how Halloween hunting is her favorite time of the year because she sees all the things she loves pop up all over the stores. Okay, our ghoulstering Anna Loves Mitchie said, even in the South Texas heat, I'm wearing black cardigans, lol, end quote. You go ghoul, (laughs) Lord knows I could never fake it in the desert heat. And it sounds like a lot of you are Halloween hunting like Poppy and of course watching horror movies. If you want to keep up with how Master and I are keeping the spook alive every day, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Ghoulmates. And my new favorite place to fanghoul at Not Another Spooky Podcast on Instagram. Okay, so where to begin? There's so much to cover about sleep paralysis. I guess let's start by defining it. According to WebMD, sleep paralysis is a feeling of being conscious but unable to move. It occurs when a person passes between stages of wakefulness and sleep. When you are between these stages, you may be unable to move or talk for a few seconds or up to a few minutes. WebMD says people may feel pressure or a sense of choking, but I am here to tell you that WebMD is just sugarcoating it because us real sleep paralysis victims will tell you that sometimes you think a demon or murderer is attacking you in your sleep and it is not fun to say the least. But I am here to tell you that it is 100% scientific and there are ways to snap out of it faster and hopefully less frequently. 
If you're wondering if you've ever experienced sleep paralysis, the best way I can describe it is it feels like you are either having a nightmare you can't wake up from or it feels like you are awake and something terrifying is happening and you can't move or scream. And yes, it is as scary as it sounds. So I really think it's either something you either know you have or haven't been through. I can already tell I'm going to get spooked recording this with my back to the room and alone in this moody lighting. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into the science of it because knowledge is power. So what happens is your body alternates between two stages of sleep, which are REM, a.k.a. rapid eye movement, and NREM, which is non-rapid eye movement. So first you have the NREM sleep, which is about 75% of the entire time you sleep. At this time, your body relaxes and restores. And then at the end, your body shifts to REM sleep. This is when dreams occur and your eyes move quickly. However, the rest of your body continues to stay relaxed. So basically what this means is that there are times when your quotation, when you quotation wake up, which means you become aware, but the rest of your body stays in that REM sleep, which is like it's turned off. So imagine that your eyes and brain wake up, but your body is still hitting the snooze button. Now, if you're one of the unfortunate victims of the real-life Freddy Krueger syndrome, there are some things you can do to help prevent sleep paralysis. One of these tips comes from one of your fellow ghoulsters and my co-host, but before we get to her tip, we have to get through her sleep paralysis story first. Sabrina, aka S.E. Zoon, said, OMFG, I woke up once to my room being dark and saw a large black shadow sitting on top of me. I couldn't move or scream and just laid there breathing heavily trying to wake up my husband. Nothing worked and I'd never experienced it before. After 10 minutes, I was able to move and was just bawling out of terror. It was the worst and since I reached it, I learned since I researched it, I learned it happens more often if you sleep on your back so I don't sleep that way anymore. End quote. Oh my God, who said this podcast wasn't actually going to get spooky occasionally? Did you think all we do is fangirl around here? (laughs) Because that's pretty freaking spooky to me. Okay, so a lot to unpack here. Yes, one, our ghoulster ghoul is correct. According to WebMD, sleeping on your back can cause sleep paralysis. A few other reasons people can experience sleep paralysis are lack of sleep, a sleep schedule that changes, mental conditions such as stress or bipolar disorder, Other sleep problems such as narcolepsy or nighttime leg cramps. Oh my god, I get leg cramps too. Never connected that part. And also, use of certain medications such as those for ADHD and substance abuse. Okay, honestly, I'm kind of surprised Rudy doesn't get sleep paralysis because a lot of these factors would make him susceptible. So now, this makes me wonder if your subconscious thoughts really play into this because he doesn't believe in the spooky stuff like ghosts and demons, but I know Sabrina and I do. Okay, ghoulsters, if any of you experience sleep paralysis but do not believe in ghosts and demons, you need to message me. Maybe we can crack this together. (laughs) Ghoulsters against sleep paralysis. Also, another thing I noticed Sabrina and I have in common are that she mentioned the first time it happened to her was when she was with her husband. You're going to hear my story in a bit, but I actually didn't realize I was experiencing sleep paralysis until I moved in with Rudy. So there's a lot to unpack here. All right, let's see what other experiences our co-hosts have had before I share mine. Uh, Ghoul with the Curl said, I had a few episodes where I feel a demonic presence in the room, end quote. Okay, yes, this is exactly what it can feel like sometimes. Then our frequent co-host, Lalik, sent in a long and scary one, guys. I'm going to try really to really set the mood when I read this one. She said, 
The most recent sleep paralysis experience I had was in 2020 when my entire household caught COVID. My dog had passed on the 20th of December and that night I felt terrible. I was probably at the peak of my fever at 105 and I didn't want to go to the hospital. All I did was sleep. Every once in a while I would wake up, but not really. And I thought I was awake or maybe I was dreaming or having a nightmare. But I suddenly felt this heavy feeling on my chest like a demon sitting on my chest. And I'm looking up, but it's freaking weird because it's almost like I'm looking at myself in third person. I can't properly explain it, but that heavy feeling in my chest started to feel like my breath is being taken from me. Like I'm suddenly and very slowly getting the air sucked out of me and I'm trying to wake up, but I can't wake up. My body felt like it was being pinned to the bed. If it wasn't for my other dog's barking, I probably wouldn't have snapped out of it. My heart was pounding like as if I was holding my breath underwater for too long. The feeling of the sudden jolt back into my bed, almost like the kind of jolt you feel like when you wake up from a dream of falling. And all I remember was rolling over and vomiting liquids almost like the sensation of drowning. It was the most bizarre and terrifying experience to date with sleep paralysis. Another experience, and it actually freaked my husband out because he witnessed it. Witnessed it. This happened when we were still dating. We just moved into our own apartment and one night he said I was having some sort of nightmare, mumbling in my sleep and kind of whimpering. He told me that I sat up and I started saying weird stuff and telling myself to wake up. And at the same time, he's shaking me to try to wake me up. He says all I did was look at him and laid back down with my back facing him. I don't recall this particular incident until this day he swears I was messing with him, end quote. <sighs> Okay, first of all, Lo, I'm so sorry for the loss of your fur baby. I can only imagine how hard that was. Secondly, I also want to add that she shared some stories about what I believe is astral projecting as well, so I'm sure we'll eventually cover that topic too. So what I find interesting about this story is that it is similar to Sabrina's with the heavy chesting. I have never experienced the heavy chesting, and I know WebMD mentioned it, but I have experienced... Um, seeing or feeling a presence lingering over my chest, but not like the actual pressure on my chest. Like I said, I'll share all the stories and you're going to see even more similarities. Uh, but again, another weird pattern about we see here is the pat the partners being around, which is, I don't know, so strange to me. Like, why are we more susceptible when people are around? I don't know. OK, so I guess this means it's time to share my story. I've never really shared everything, and so I guess I want to share that even though this is actually something super scary and real that happens to some of us, I know you guys also live for this spooky stuff, so you're welcome, and hopefully it can actually help you cope if you do experience it. So I'm going to go way back to when I was a little girl and think that I had sleep paralysis for the first time. And the reason I said think is because it's not the same as all my other episodes, but it did have the same lasting effect on me. It was a real nightmare, and I think something that felt this real was definitely possibly sleep paralysis. Maybe I was just too young to really process and piece it all together then, but I do now. So when I was little, I used to go to my grandma's house after school, and sometimes I would take a nap. It's a pretty big house, and it was usually just me and my grandma. She'd be on one side of the house, and I'd be on the other, so it could feel um, kind of spooky as a little girl, knowing there was such a big house and you were alone. So one time I was taking a nap, and I had a horrible nightmare that has stayed with me forever. 
And it wasn't what happened that was scary. It was the fact that I couldn't wake up or scream. So I was dreaming that my grandma had taken me with her to pick up my aunt and sister from school. And for some reason, they weren't coming out. So she decided to leave me in the car and go check on them. But she left the keys in the ignition. So this creepy man who already who actually had a Robert England vibe to him got in the car and I was so scared. This is the point where normally you can start to wake yourself up from a dream when you're this aware. And then I tried to unattach my seatbelt, but he blocked it with his hand before I could reach it. So then I tried to open the door, but he locked it. And finally, I was going to scream, but no matter how hard I tried, nothing would come out. This might not sound scary, but you guys, I was a little girl. And seriously, every single time I think about this nightmare, I feel like I'm right back in that moment. It was the first time ever in my life that I had experienced this feeling of being in danger and trying to do something, run, fight, scream, and I couldn't do anything. And now that I think of it, it was all the signs of sleep paralysis because that's why I thought I couldn't open the door, unlock the seatbelt or scream because my body couldn't move or speak like in real life. So I went on the rest of my life occasionally having nightmares where I couldn't scream, but none of them were that bad. And I just assumed it was a normal feeling like everyone has nightmares. So fast forward to literally me in my late 20s and Rudy and I were staying with my mom for Christmas vacation after we had, I think after we had even gotten engaged, I think. And I was having one of those nightmares, except this time Rudy woke me up. He said that I was screaming as if something really bad was happening. It was so bad. My poor mom texted me and asked if I was okay because she heard me screaming too. (laughs) You guys, I can't even imagine what my poor mom was thinking. Like, I don't know what's worse. Her thinking that we were up to something naughty or that Rudy was like, actually, what, trying to murder me? I don't know. I've never asked her, but still, I can only imagine like what my screams slash moans must have sounded like because like Rudy says, it's like a weird moan slash scream sometimes. Oh, so embarrassing. Anyway, so I let her know I was fine and I told her the next day I had a nightmare or whatever, but this was a major turning point for me because up until that day, I never knew I was actually vocalizing what I was trying to vocalize in my nightmares. So I grilled Rudy. I mean, seriously grilled him. How long was I screaming? What was I saying? Was I moving? Has it happened before? All the questions that my like that I needed answers to, you know? So it turns out that that was the first time he'd noticed it. But just like the WebMD thing said, I wasn't moving. He said he had been trying to wake me up for quite a while. I honestly don't remember what that nightmare consisted of, but it was similar to the childhood one where something realistic and horrible was happening and I couldn't scream. So this was a really big turning point for me to realize that A, it was not normal and B, I could scream in real life. So I started to do research and that's when I learned about sleep paralysis. I have never been able to pinpoint what triggers it for me because it's not consistent. It's always at random times in my life, but I have noticed they tend to come up when I'm stressed or mentally thinking about horror movies that scare me. But during that time period when Rudy woke me up, um, that's when I started to learn if I willed myself to scream in my nightmare that he would hear it in real life. I know it sounds so sad and scary saying it out loud, but it has really helped me. Because the second time it happened after the time at my mom's house, I tried screaming and he didn't wake me up. He told me that he told me after that I was doing it again, but he didn't want to make it worse and wake me up. And I was like, oh, my God, wake me up. So now literally when I do what I do is I try as hard as I can to scream, wake me up when I'm having those nightmares. Uh, I'm laughing, but also it's like horrible when it's happening. 
I don't know how the heck it happens that it comes out, but eventually it does. I guess it just comes out like right when my body exits that REM stage. And the thing is, too, that like he has to physically and forcefully shake me so my body wakes up. <sighs> Sorry, this is getting harder to talk about than I realized. <sighs> it's fun in theory to talk about it, but also really stressful when it's happening. So I'm trying really hard to balance like telling you guys this in a entertaining, spooky way, but also realizing that it's starting to trigger me a little bit. So during this time, there was also a time when, <sighs> OK, this story is actually really sweet. Rudy was sleeping on the couch, so it started happening, and this is when I woke up and saw a demon or shadow hovering over me, and it was so scary, and I was on my back, like Sabrina said. So what happened was I was laying down, and I opened my eyes, and it was dark, and I saw a shadow lingering over my chest, and I was mentally trying to scream, but also thinking, shit, Rudy's in the living room, so I just tried screaming even louder, and guess what happened? The shadow was Bruce, my sweet baby bear. And he was trying to wake me up. The spooky demon shadow was Bruce, my little dog, with his two long horse legs pouncing on me because he was freaking out that I was screaming. So this was a really big turning point for me because it was the first time my brain made the connection that real life things really do blend in with your nightmares in sleep paralysis. <laughs> I love you, Papa. He's under the desk at my feet right now as we speak. Okay, so shortly after that, I also had a nightmare that someone was breaking into the apartment and Rudy wasn't next to me when I looked to the right of the bed and nobody woke me up until I snapped out of it. That time turned out that Rudy was actually taking the dogs out during my nap, but since I was in that weird stage and didn't know prior to going to sleep that he was going to be doing that, my weird half-stage body thought someone was actually opening the apartment door. Oh, you guys, our brains are so scary. So anyway, I'm not going to lie. Understanding what it is um, doesn't make the fear go away when it's happening, uh, but it does kind of help. It's still super scary, especially because you don't know what you don't know. Like I didn't know Rudy was at the door until after I woke up. But understanding that you're probably most likely not seeing a demon or spooky bad guy like your brain is making you think helps a little bit. And if you happen to be sharing beds with a sweet little bear like Bruce or a big papa bear like Rudy, let your biggest final girl scream out and tell your partner to wake you up. But of course, if you can, um, be sure to educate them. Let them know that you experience sleep paralysis and give them the heads up like, hey, it'll help me a lot if you hear me like whimpering, moaning or screaming. Uh, if you wake me up, because like Rudy didn't know to wake me up until I told him like, hey, if I'm screaming, it's because I really need you to wake me up. Nothing bad's going to happen because uh, I know there's like a lot of theories. Like if you wake someone someone up in the middle of a dream, that'll it'll like freak them out more. Uh, but if you're experiencing sleep paralysis, I genuinely believe that you're like well aware of it. So waking up is like what you need in that moment, at least for me. Everyone's different. Um, and I do have another tip that I um, read about when I researched and it's kind of silly, but it did help me a little bit when I know that Rudy isn't around to hear me scream. So the tip was to focus on moving a pinky or toe versus like shaking yourself out of it, because I guess once you can get like your one little baby toe or pinky to move, it kind of like snaps your body out of that REM sleep. Wow, that was a loaded informational segment for you guys. <laughs> I'll be honest, it was a little fun and I hope that it helped some of you. Um, talking to you guys for the first time about it was an interesting, ex interesting experience and um, 
I don't know. I'm interested to hear your feedback on Discord and just see like how you guys feel about it now that you've heard my story. So this was all a very long-winded way of getting to today's topic of Freddy versus Jason. And I want to preface this by saying that I was really torn if this should be an exclusive Nightmare on Elm Street episode since it was so heavy on the sleep paralysis talk. But two things. One, this movie is still very much about sleep and nightmares. And two, there's still another spooky lesson for a Nightmare on Elm Street specific episode to come. So... It turns out that Freddy Krueger isn't actually based on sleep paralysis, but it was inspired by something sleep-related and possibly scarier than I was hoping for. According to Cinema Blend, Wes Craven actually came up with the idea of Nightmare on Elm Street after reading an LA Times article about a family that had survived the killing fields in Cambodia. They made it to the US, but a young boy in the family still found himself haunted by terrible nightmares while he slept. Craven said the boy told his parents he was afraid that if he slept, the thing chasing him would get him, so he tried to stay awake for days at a time. One night, he finally fell asleep, and his parents thought it was over, but they heard him screaming in the middle of the night, and when they got to him, he had died in the middle of a nightmare. So that, my friends, means we get a bonus learning session about scary sleep things. <laughs> okay, so of course, after I found out about the inspiration for Freddy Krueger, I was curious if this was like an actual story or just like a marketing thing Wes Craven made up to scare people. So it turns out that it is in fact true. In 1987, the LA Times published an article called Medical Experts Seek Clues to Nightmare Deaths that Strike Male Asian Refugees. I'm not sure if this is the actual article he was referring to, but it talked about how 130 Southeast Asians had died um, this way, and it was known as Asian Death Syndrome. If you're interested in reading this article, I'll link it in our Discord server. But my understanding is that there are two medical terms that are used for this, and they are called Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome and Brugada Syndrome. Something ver very similar to this is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, also known as SIDS. Basically, what this disorder is, is a disruption in the heart's normal rhythm um, during sleep. And the article really breaks down why this was so prominent in the Asian refugee community. So I highly recommend reading it if you're interested. But I believe one of the factors they also found in all the refugees was an enlarged heart. But one of the things that stuck out to me was that stress could have been a factor inducing these nightmares to happen and lead to their unfortunate deaths. So I'm not telling you this to scare you because we just talked about how sleep paralysis can be caused by stress. Uh, but I think there are two completely these are two completely different things. I think it really shows how stress can play such a big role in how we sleep. So self-care guys uh we gotta exercise we gotta eat healthy we gotta find like a different way to um let out all of our frustration for me it used to be singing and now I genuinely turn to like creating content because like I've realized when I'm like super stressed what I need to do is like do something that I love and I feel like really proud of and like just kind of like escaping reality and like talking spooky things or working on TGM is like something that really helps me Okay, I kind of feel like this episode has turned into like real life scary and not like fun scary we know is fake. So I'm really sorry if this triggered anyone, but hopefully we all learned something interesting today or hopefully we even learned how to kind of help cope with some things we may have experienced and didn't understand in the past. Now let's get back to our normal fangirling. <laughs> okay, so the movie Freddy vs. Jason was released on August 15, 15th, 2003. Oh, man, guys, I should have saved this for next year on the 20th anniversary. I wonder if they'll do anything fun for it. Okay, so it was directed by Ronnie Yu, who also worked on Bride of Chucky. 
and it was starring Robert England as Freddy Krueger, and this was actually his last time playing Freddy. Ken Kersinger uh, played Jason Voorhees, and he's actually the tallest actor to date to play Jason at six feet five inches. We also had Kelly Rowland play Kia Watterson, and we had Monica Kina play Laurie Campbell. This movie had, this actually kind of makes sense. It had an audience rating of 50%, which kind of, to me, it makes sense because I think like you either love or don't love this movie. Um, the summary, according to IMDb, reads, it's been nearly 10 years since Freddy Krueger terrorized people in the dreams and the townsfolk want to keep him erased from their memory. Freddy still has one more plan on getting back to Elm Street. He resurrects Jason Voorhees and sends him off to kill. The more bodies which fall to the ground, the stronger in which Freddy becomes. This is until Freddy realizes that Jason isn't going to step aside easily and must be taken down himself. I feel like that summary didn't really cover it. So for some more context, if you have not seen the movie, he the way Freddy wakes up Jason is by pretending to be his mother and like telling him like, kill them, Jason, whatever. And um, the reason why he's using Jason is to kind of like incite that fear into the town. So like if the police start seeing that like teens are being killed again, they'll start assuming that it's um, Freddy and then the town will start talking about Freddy. And the more they fear him, the more they talk about him, the stronger he becomes. So just to clarify, that's what's happening. <laughs> OK, so some fun, interesting facts. According to Robert England, um, the Freddy makeup was just so thick that he couldn't really feel like how hot it was during the fire scenes that they were filming. So when he got in to have his makeup removed, it had bonded itself to his face, which I have told this story before, but I think our audience is a lot larger now. So a uh, fun story time. Uh, the very first year that Rudy and I dressed up together was when I moved in with him and we decided to be Freddy versus Jason. And he did really cool makeup for my Freddy costume because I was Freddy. And I forever have lost trust in Rudy because that night, um, like I said, he used like latex. He did such a good job. People were so impressed with it. Um, but at the end of the night, I've always been like a baby about like ripping stuff off of me, like even band-aids. I'm such a baby about it because I'm like afraid of the pain, which I don't know why now that I've recovered from my surgery, because I have a really high pain tolerance from what I've learned and what the doctors told me. But that night we had gone out for Halloween and it was like the end of the night. We were like having dinner and Rudy was like, oh, let me see. Uh, and he pretended he was going to like slowly rip the latex off my face. And then he ripped it off completely, like all at once. And it was horrible. And ever since then, I've been like terrified of using latex to do like special effects makeup because he ruined it for me. So it's like all his own fault that now I don't want him to do my makeup. But I'm getting closer to it because I really want to do some fun stuff soon. OK, story time over. OK, so Ken Kersinger. Also, this story is kind of funny for me, especially because if you don't know, I work for a dental company. So it was very like, haha, I wish that would happen today. <laughs> OK, so Ken Kersinger, who played Jason, um, actually needed to do some dental work during filming. But it would have taken too much time to remove like all his makeup and the costume and then have to like reapply it later. So he ended up going to the dentist's office in his like actual Jason costume without the hockey mask. And apparently people were afraid and that he was an escaped psychopath and they actually called the cops on him, which is just such a random, crazy story. Imagine being at the dentist and then like some crazy guy shows up in all this like makeup and costume. 
I wish I was there. <laughs> okay, so the media actually tried to make Kelly Rowland feel bad about being in this film. And she always says it was a hit and she enjoyed it and has nothing to be ashamed about. And I love that. Like, you own it, ghoul. Uh, and then another interesting thing, too, was Betsy Palmer, the original actress for uh, Mrs. Voorhees, was asked to reprise her role and she said it was too small for her. And I'm like really bummed about this because I just assumed she was like too old or couldn't do the film. And when I was watching it, I really did like tell Rudy I wish they had used the original actress for this. And this fact is like so cool because it's so related to everything we do on this podcast, but... Ian Summerhalder was actually in talks to play the main guy, Will, but the director said that he was too pretty. I was like, big mistake, mister. Like, this would have been so much more interesting, I think, if Ian, who had, who was Damon, by the way, if you guys haven't caught on, he plays Damon in The Vampire Diaries. Um, he would have been the perfect thing to kind of, like, make this movie a little more interesting because I personally don't feel that the actor who played Will was very attractive or interesting he was just kind of whatever to me to be honest okay so a sequel was planned but never materialized um there was a six issue comic series published in late 2007 early 28 2008 uh where they added the evil dead's ash to the mix so it was like freddy versus jason versus ash i think and then something super interesting was rob zombie was um offered to direct this movie but he turned it down to work on his project house of a thousand corpses and I don't know why, but I feel like this movie might have actually been better if he had done it like a lot darker versus like how corny it was. So I'm kind of bummed about this one, to be honest. OK, so my history with this film is hopefully going to bring back some nostalgic feels for you guys for a second. I never actually saw it when it came out, but I remember when it did, it was all over the news how theaters were getting super into the spirit of it and having employees dress up as Freddy and Jason and scare people at the theaters. And all I can say is, what a time to be alive. I'm so bummed I never actually experienced it, but I think part of the reason was I didn't go uh, because I've never been a big fan of Freddy or Jason. But as I said, Master is a diehard Jason fan. So when we did the Ghoulmates podcast, he made me watch the entire Jason series, including the, this film. So spoiler alert, I love the Friday the 13th series and give them a lot of credit for like the continuity throughout the movies. But that's not what we're talking about today. So we'll save that for another day. Uh, but when I saw this movie, I admit it was corny, but I really enjoyed it and thought it was really fun to watch. Um, but rewatching it now, I was surprised to realize that this is definitely a movie I consider fun to watch once and would be OK never watching it again, to be honest. But that's also the glory of it at the same time. So before we get into the thoughts on the movie, I, of course, wanted to weigh in on how our co-hosts felt about Freddy versus Jason, the characters. Of course, a common theme in this show is what team are you? So I asked our ghoulsters, are you team Freddy or team Jason? And you guys, this answer was interesting. I don't think we've ever gotten such a close answer on anything. So ghoulsters were 48% for Freddy and 52% for Jason. That is such a close call. I was also curious how you guys felt about these characters, and it was very insightful. So let's talk about Freddy for a second. I asked Goldsters to share what they like or dislike about Freddy Krueger. So Poppy said, his ability in the dream realm is powerful and interesting, but scary as fluff also, end quote. 
yeah, that is it is interesting. I personally think like as even though I experience sleep paralysis, I'm surprisingly not afraid of Freddy Krueger for some reason. DW Photo 2082 said the first nightmare I ever remember was one of Freddy when I was five years old. End quote. Okay, I have questions on this. Did you watch Nightmare Before Elm? I mean Nightmare on Elm Street before this. Like, how did you know about Freddy Krueger? Oh my God, did you have this nightmare before ever knowing about him? Because then it's very creepy. <laughs> okay, Essie Zoon said you can't even escape his terror in your dreams. LOL. End quote. Yeah, that I mean, the concept of him is really cool. Not gonna lie. Yana Loves Michi said, I've heard so many stories about his origins that he was a child predator. I just can't, end quote. Yes, I didn't want to get into the origins of his um, story on this episode since we will go into like actual Nightmare on Elm Street at some point. But yes, there are definitely themes of a child um, molestation and murdering, I think. Uh, the Dahlia Crypt said, because of the night terror thing, but did he do that stuff to kids when he was still human? End quote. That is the burning question around here, apparently. <laughs> and then Lalik said, there is nothing more terrifying than a serial killer who can kill you at your most vulnerable. End quote. Okay, that is actually very true. And I respect that. <laughs> Monica Galman said, he's hilarious, but a child killer. Am I remembering that right? So that's gross. End quote. Okay, I'm like very surprised that a lot of us don't seem to really know like the true Freddy Krueger origins and like what his story really is. So we might need to revisit this sooner than I thought. Okay, Wild Rose One said, I like that he has weaknesses. He is scared of fire and can be actually hurt. End quote. Yes, definitely. It is very interesting to see that, especially in this film, because we learn like how they use the elements of fire and water against each other. Uh, Ghosted Easy said, I always like the concept of Freddy, how he attacks through dreams. Also, he's pretty funny, end quote. Yeah, I have to admit, some of his in poor taste jokes did kind of make me laugh at some point. Uh, so let's see what Ghoulsters like or dislike about Jason Voorhees. Halloween is my happy place, aka Poppy said, never got past part two, didn't hold my interest, end quote. Okay, I'm super surprised with this one. Because Poppy is very much into like all things Halloween and horror. So it was really surprising to me to hear this because I'm pretty critical about like what I'm interested in as far as like, um, I mean, we've talked about it. Like I need to stay interested. And I was really impressed with how the stories um, continued off of each other. So, huh. My favorite part is part three, though. So maybe you need to give part three a chance before you decide for Poppy. Just saying. <laughs> Okay, Yana Loves Michi said, I really liked his story avenging the death of his mom, end quote. Yes. Oh, okay, we're getting into like the origins of all these characters. And now I'm really excited that you guys are like clearly more into like Jason and knowing his story. Okay, the Dahlia Crypt said, because he wasn't born evil, he was made that way. Plus those teens suck, end quote. Yeah, it is very much you kind of like feel these teens had it coming. <laughs> Okay, and then I really love this one. Hiking with Grace uh, said cabin and outdoor setting is why she likes it, which makes total sense because, I mean, her name says it all. Hiking with Grace, she loves to do outdoor things, go hiking. I have never seen anyone who's like more in tune um, with nature than Grace. So this was an awesome comment to kind of see um, how that affects like her interest in movies as well. Lalik said Jason is cool and all, but you can hide, take a nap and the percent chance of you waking up is a lot higher lol 
end quote. Sorry. I keep forgetting to add that in. Sorry, guys. Yes. So I guess what she's trying to say is, is Freddy is scarier than Jason because you can't even take a nap safely when it comes to Freddy. Monica Galman said he has the most gruesome kills. He's a killing machine and super creative, end quote. I mean, I agree when it comes to Freddy versus Jason, but I wouldn't say the most gruesome kills because I'm team Michael and you all know that. <laughs> Wild or Wild Rose One said, what's creepy for me that this is that this dude kills people without ever saying a word, silent killer, end quote. That is such a good perspective. I love it. Ghosted Easy said, I never understood how he is an adult boy when he died as a child, end quote. Okay, I rang in. I did a phone a friend for this answer for you guys because I wanted to hear it from the expert. So Rudy said from what he has read, um, Jason did not die as a child. Like people think that he drowned, but he somehow made his way to shore and like basically lived out the rest of his life. And that's how he's still alive in an adult body. But he did have like mental challenges, obviously, because of what happened. And he's crazy because he's a killer. Um, so that's kind of the explanation that Master had for that. All right. So let's get into your thoughts on the movie. I want to start off with my familiars. One comment. I need to be like more ahead of getting more of his commentary now that I think of it because he has like the best comments sometimes. So he said, so bad, bad, bad. It's good. LOL. End quote. And I still don't know if I agree or not, but I think it's a pretty good way to describe it. Ghoul with the Curl said, I love all of Freddy's cheesy lines, end quote. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, Lalik said, the movie, this movie was absolutely hilarious. The soundtrack was even better score and music, end quote. Okay, so I personally am not a fan of the music in this film, but me and Rudy did talk about it when we were watching it, about how like it's kind of corny at, at times. But I was seeing some reviews on YouTube and somebody else did mention that it was like one of the best metal and rock soundtracks in a movie ever. So I think if this is your taste in music, it's definitely like a point to watch it because it's a total vibe if you are into that music. All right, so I'll be totally honest with you guys. Rewatching this movie was actually not as much fun for me as I expected it to be. I found myself kind of like mentally checked out and bored and really just waiting for the final battle scene. And the few notes I did actually write ended up all being complaints about the movie, which is so unlike me. But despite not actually liking the movie, this was still such a fun topic um, for an episode. So first, as a Jason fan, wait, before I go on, I just want to say that this here is why I love podcasting and TGM so much because I have learned so much that I would have never learned otherwise. But because I'm so attached to the Friday the 13th franchise because of Rudy, I was so triggered that Jason's mom was wearing red in this movie because she wore blue in the original and it's such an iconic look. I was also kind of annoyed that the main character's name is Laurie because it's so similar to Laurie Strode. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, but like we already have the final girl named Lori it's taken use a new name <laughs> and also at the end of the movie when they're giving Jason CPR first of all ew second of all how did that make sense he was drowning and they were trying to give him mouth to mouth it would have made so much more sense to do that like pumping CPR motion just saying but now that I'm thinking about it I guess the movie isn't all bad because it does have a few things going for it First of all, I do think the storyline was pretty clever of how and why both characters are in the same film, 
even though I don't really get how Freddie would even have the power to pretend to be Mrs. Voorhees if he's not strong enough to be scary, but whatever. And I especially love how they make you side with Jason and feel bad for him. Like, he's not a dog. It made, it made me so sad how Freddie was, like, treating him at one point. And there were a couple of things I did find pretty cool. The posters of the missing kids reminded me of, like, the posters in Harry Potter and I'm so glad one of you brought this up. Yana Loves Mitchie said, the camp scenes are always my favorite, end quote. I'm not sure if you're talking about the same scenes that I am, but I think you are. So my favorite scene has always been when the kids are partying in the cornfield because it just gives me like all the major fall vibes. And it's also so gratifying to see the guy um, that is trying to take advantage of that drunk girl get instant karma with that kill. And one last thing I did want to note was that our ghoulster Monica said it was interesting to see Jason get his ass kicked, if only for a while, end quote. It was so hard for me to see his ass get kicked because I'm team Jason, but also did he really win? Because he couldn't have won without the help of the teens. So I don't know. The ending for me was kind of like, I guess it fell flat for me in the sense that it wasn't truly one of them winning. And I think that overall wraps up our thoughts on the movie. So that means it's time for It's Freaking Bats. So on a scale of one to five bats, how many bats did Ghoulsters give this film? Ghoulsters gave this film four freaking bats. Um, what? Guys, were we watching the same movie? This is the first time I think I have ever really been like not on the same page with you guys. I'm going to give this film two bats. <sighs> that is the lowest rating I've ever given something. Okay, I enjoyed this film the first time I saw it, but the fact that I was bored and rolling my eyes the second time was a major sign for me that this is not a good film. And I'm only giving it two bats because I think one bat for how clever the storyline was and one bat for how cool the final battle was. But outside of that, I just honestly think don't think I'll ever rewatch this film after this time unless we like revisit it way into the future on the podcast for any reason. And to wrap up the talk on this film, I thought it'd be really fun to see what other horror showdowns you all would love to see. And now I wish they were all happening. So Ghoul with the Curl said Michael and Leatherface, end quote. Um, that would be so interesting to see because they're like two completely different types of killers. So yeah, that would be really fun. And Master actually said that would be one of his as well, especially because like Leatherface always gets like left out of like the main like popular slasher mix. Lalik said, I want to see Jason versus Michael. Imagine the score to that movie since both are silent killers, end quote. Oh, that is so true. So this would definitely be my ultimate showdown because obviously I am team Michael to the core, but I can see how similar these two killers are, like in size, in the way they kill. So oh, that would be a total dream. Maybe we'll get it now that they're starting to figure out like the um, copyright issues of who really owns Jason. Okay, Hiking with Grace said, this one was so good, you guys. The clown from Terrifier against the clown from It, end quote. Yeah, that is such a great idea. I love this one. And then S.E. Zune said, Chucky versus Annabelle, a battle of the creepy dolls, LOL, end quote. That is such a good one, too. You guys are so clever. So since you all said a lot of mine, I'm going to bounce two ideas off of Sabrina's. What if we saw one where it was the bride of Chucky versus Annabelle or Chucky versus Spike from Gremlins? That sounds like it would be really fun. <laughs> 
Okay, so it is the moment I have been waiting for. If you're not binging with us, then you can't sit with us because it's time for Bloody Bingeworthy. If you're joining us for the first time, this segment is at the end of the show so that those who decide to binge Spooky TV with me can hear me fangirl over the latest episodes we watched. You can always find what episodes are coming up in the show notes. Okay, so this week we binge The Vampire Diaries Season 2, Episodes 1 through 3. Uh, Here are the quick recaps according to IMDb. Elena comes home to a nightmare. Damon realizes Catherine has returned. Tyler receives a surprise visit from his uncle. When a confused and desperate Caroline leaves the hospital and joins her friends at the Mystic Falls Carnival, Damon wants to take immediate action. Elena, Damon, and Alaric go to Duke University to find Isabel's research into the paranormal and look for clues to the mystery surrounding the Lockwood family. Stefan faces a new danger in the woods. Tyler makes a shocking discovery about Mason. Guys, the opening to season two was so chaotic, like so much happening. Okay, so first of all, I'm so happy Caroline's time has finally come. I knew I loved her, but I couldn't remember her story. And here we are seeing it start up finally. I thought it was so sweet how she always feels like nobody loves her, but everyone was so worried about her in the hospital. And even Bonnie, who hates vampires, wanted her to have a chance to survive with Damon's blood. They started season two off so strong because, man, even seeing her transition was the first time I feel like we've seen the transition play out roughly, I guess, because she's really um, like she went through it alone. But I think that's why I love her, because she's so insecure. But at the end of the day, she always gets through stuff on her own. I mean, I think she was the one who had the least knowledge of everything going on. And she put the pieces together so quickly. And despite her little hiccups, she was still fully aware and trying to do the right thing. Okay, so I'll get off of the Caroline love boat for a second. Remember last week I was feeling like Damon was so sweet? I don't know how I feel, guys. I'm so conflicted. I can't believe he really tried killing Jeremy. I get that he's hurt and feels like nobody loves him, but also he knew he'd lose Elena forever if he did that. I just can't with him. I love him and I hate him all at the same time. The confliction is real. Okay. I also feel like the show made some adjustments to Stefan this season. He seems a lot edgier and more exciting. They must have gotten feedback that he was like too boring or something because he just seems a lot stronger and more confident and just overall more exciting. I loved when he force fed John and told him to leave. And I knew he was tricking Catherine, but it was crazy when he started to torture her too. Although I have to admit that I am getting really worried, guys. I don't want him to be in love with Catherine. So please send help. But speaking of Catherine, I have to admit that I hate her. But I also really loved the scene where she walked in as Elena to meet Stefan for the first time. The way she portrayed Elena cracked me up so hard because she was like extra mopey and sad looking. Man, Nina is a great actress because she somehow finds a way to make two different characters plus one that is clearly acting like the other. Bravo. (laughs) Okay, so I'm curious. Did my first time bingers guess correctly that the Lockwoods are werewolves? I'm still confused about Tyler's eyes the night of the accident, though, because Uncle... 
McHottie Mason said, you have to kill someone to turn, but why did Tyler's eyes do that if he didn't kill anyone? And I loved the scene when Damon was throwing all the dog, pun the dog puns at Mason. And oh my God, the silver spoon on the pie scene cracked me up too. But I also feel bad because Damon is clearly just distracting himself from all his heartbreak with this like new werewolf case. But I'm very curious why everyone wants this stone so bad. And I think that about wraps up the first three episodes. Man, that was a lot, guys. Can you feel all the spooky vibes right now? Like, we are finally starting to see why I told you guys that I wanted to binge this so bad with you guys. So, and I, and I know that some of you are starting to also feel like you should be watching. So this is your cue to watch because it is getting good around here. Okay, so just a reminder, you can always check your Ghoulster homework for the week in the show notes to find out which episodes we'll be binging for next week's episode. And if you're wondering how you could be one of my lovely co-hosts, like I mentioned in today's episode, you can follow the show on Instagram at Not Another Spooky Podcast to participate in, to participate in polls and questions for upcoming episodes. I would also like to personally invite you one last time to join our free Discord server community where Ghoulsters all around the world connect with each other about how they're keeping the spook alive. If you want to unlock access to an exclusive channel, you can subscribe to the podcast for $4.99 at the link in the show notes. Oh my gosh, you guys, we are hitting the hour mark again. This is so great because as you can see, your commentary is really helping me fill in these episodes and every week I'm having more and more fun. It's getting harder and harder to deliver this line. But until next time, sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye! Ha 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 ha.